0: chaos comes,
1: it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world.
0: It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, Every day is adventure.
1: S-I-L-K. 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 What do cows drink? Milk. To be clear for you all listening, calves drink milk. Cows drink water. Why did you do that? That is a good question. First of all, to equip our audience, you now have a joke to play on your friends ah <laughs> uh, that's that's worthwhile. The interesting thing about that is that's not so much a psychological trick like you can know things about the way people think and sort of make jokes. That's actually a cultural trick and what's interesting about that is that particular joke that you you know get people to make a sound or count to a number and then ask them a question and they come back with the wrong answer. Mm. That doesn't work in other cultural contexts. And the reason is that only works in a context where we are completely trained to react.
0: Huh. So it's not that my friends or myself, having fallen for that joke and others like it many times, are unintelligent. We just are used to shooting from the hip, are used to needing to respond quickly and
1: keep like a certain pace. Is that what you're implying? Yeah, exactly. It's it's like an illustration of a larger reality where, go back with me in time to the first time you walked into a third wave coffee shop and you said, could I get a cappuccino? And they say, regular eight ounce? How, no, they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything? They, yeah. That's what happened to me then, I can say. And, but the point is, how comfortable did I feel going, why is a cappuccino eight ounces? Hang on, I actually don't think I know what a cappuccino is. Could you explain really quick? Right, you've probably never done that. Some people do. They tend to be older. I, my peers and I tend to not do that.
0: Yeah, Mark Twain's got this great quote about it. It's like the tribute of a young man to not argue a check. I know I've paid some checks sometimes where I would rather not make a scene and ask the question, why is this on you? I didn't think we got this. I'd rather just take the hit, not look like an idiot.
1: Exactly. And I feel that everywhere because, and we've talked about this before, our culture rewards already knowing. The way to show you already know is to react quickly. Hmm. And so uh, how many times have you gotten into a conversational cul-de-sac or other wrong turn just by people reacting quickly to what was happening in the conversation instead of slowing down to try to find out what you were talking about?
0: Uh, I'd say a lot of conversations that last two minutes go that way, right? Like That's just this boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden, like you're done and you don't actually, I don't feel more known by someone who just reacts, reacts, reacts really quickly. And I think it gets tied up. People want to mirror. And so like mirroring is actually a helpful tool. And I'm not that great at it myself when someone says, I just did this today. Like, oh, I love doing that sort of thing. That's actually really kind of helpful. But they're often, I guess what you're pointing out is that there's not like the next question interrogating That's just me responding. It looks a little bit like mirroring. It is a little bit mirroring. But actually,
1: the conversation's now done. Right. So, claim number one. We live in a moment that trains us to react. And even, you know, you can look at the dominant trend inside our education system when I was still inside it. It probably has changed some by now, but you just go, you're getting old. (laughs) It's been so long. You know, who wins? The person who answers the fastest. What are our game shows about? The people who can hit the buzzer and know the answer. Like, who is the winner? The person who can react and recover, react and recover. And we reward and program that behavior. Huh. Okay. Okay, so claim number one. We do that. Uh, claim number two is basically just an illustration. It's just the other night. I can tell that uh, my wife has something on her heart, so, you know, daughter's asleep, and we start the conversation of, how you doing, hun?" And she starts unpacking her friendships and what she would like them to be and yet ways they feel like they're falling into these you know, patterns that no matter what we do with our schedule, we, we don't succeed in changing. And I'm sitting there going, I have no freaking idea what the solution is here. And what I would normally do is try to converge upon the nature of the problem really fast. Like, well, have you sent enough text messages? Do you have enough free nights? Uh, do you just need more time? And I would think I was being really infective or later by quickly arriving at, well, this seems like a scheduling problem. You know, this is just a scheduling problem. Let's just, why don't you just take Tuesday, Thursday, and you can treat those nights however you want to, and then I completely miss what is actually going on.
0: Mm. Uh, Maybe there's a personality difference, but Susie used to do that to me when I'd be like explaining something that was difficult, she'd try to like present the solution and I didn't want the solution. I just I wanted her to sit with me in what was hard about it. And now that's something that she's grown in, and um, like she's aware of when other people do it to her. Of just that, don't don't jump straight to how do you fix it? What's the answer? Because you're actually missing a large part of me in that process. And I think I'm probably guilty of it as well these days, especially in the things that come up a lot. So to stick with like the wife arena there's like some deep waters of the heart that we're navigating right now, but we're, we're navigating them a lot, pretty regularly. And so if it's hard, my just go-to is to assume that's why. And <laughs> it's not like there's a bunch of other things and other influences in her life and in her day that she's thinking about. And I just kind of come in going, well, I've got my hammer for that one nail. Sure hope that's all we have to deal with. Oh, it's gonna be something completely different. Oh, sorry,
1: honey. Right, So I miss it, or when I know that I don't know what to do, I feel freaked out. Yeah. I think every husband can relate to that. And what about just in your friendships, where, you know, I can recall conversations in the last month where someone comes to me and was like, hey, I was just with X person. Have you heard about what's going on? And I go, no, what's going on? And they start unpacking it, and then they say... It was, I just have no idea what to say. Mm. Yeah, I'm familiar you, you with that this, kind, of kind of scenario. This kind of scenario where, or I experience it in real time where I'm talking to someone and we turn a corner into some pain, usually, is what does this, something that we really can't control. And I start going, oh my gosh, I don't know. And isn't it interesting? that I feel freaked out, not like, oh, yeah, this is not knowing is, that I don't think not knowing is safe. Oh, yeah, I hate not knowing. So where we're kind of going here is if the frontier is our norm, we have this thing initiation in the young man's soul, initiation is a beginning, the student is someone who specifically does not understand the discipline. If we want to live from the identity of the student then we have to get comfortable and learn how to operate in a situation where we don't know what to do as though that were completely normal, as though that were our baseline instead of knowing what to do with our baseline. Right. Uh,
0: But we hate those spaces. like In other places, I think we've used the term of like, like you make a small story, you make like a, your world smaller, you, like you just feeling like you don't know the answer is not a wonderful experience. And so we avoid those, like the coffee shop. If you don't know the jargon, if it's an auto shop, I'm pretty sure like 20% of like the parts that they refer to are made up. I've been getting my headlight fluid re- replaced <laughs> right. for so long. I don't even know where they put it in. All professional jargon. I'm I think kidding. It's just not real. I'm kidding about that one, you guys. But like, we don't like that. So then we like we do shut things off. And listening to the voice of God, um, a, a, is really hard. And for for a lot of people, that's not an easy thing. And you and you, if that's what you're relying on in situations, and that feels unknown, you're gonna not like the feeling of not hearing. And so you're going to do B, make your world smaller, a.k.a. Okay, don't go there anymore. Um, but I feel like just as we step in here, like 99% of the time when I we begin like, hey, right, let's listen. If it's just by me by myself, if it's a group thing, if it's like a um, praying over guys for a wound session, if it's like intervening prayer for my wife, whatever it is, 99% of the time the first thing I hear as I'm going into it is, well, this is going to go poorly because you don't hear anything. And I'm like, I. but I I know that I do, but you, maybe you're right. Maybe this is the time that I'm, I don't and those times have happened. And so like, that's not as though we're just about to drop a bunch of tips on you because I know that feeling, you know, that feeling that is like, hello, old friend. Hello, old accusation. As I begin to
1: try and pursue the Holy Spirit Absolutely. So helpful. And we're actually not going to go much further into how do you hear the voice of God? What we're actually curious about right now is, and what I've been learning about, we're coming back because I just came from a training of house church leaders on how to shape our practices in view of the fact that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Mm -hmm. And it's blowing my mind right now going, yeah, how do we? shape our practices, and how do we shape our relational practices in view of the fact that the Holy Spirit is both our teacher and the teacher of other people? Because get this, I just cherry-picked three verses that frame the role of the Holy Spirit across the Bible, and in no particular order, John 14, uh, Jesus says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, that the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live, leave you. My peace I give to you. You see the connection of those. You know, the Holy Spirit's going to be your teacher. Therefore, I'm actually leaving you complete reassurance. Okay, I have a classic Jeremiah 31 As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I've put in your mouth will always be on your lips and on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever. So we have this frame, the Holy Spirit, is inside you and is your teacher. If you carry responsibility for people or are, or are in a leadership role over people in any capacity, like, but you know, especially we're talking here if you're leading people who know Jesus, you, like, know the Holy Spirit is in them and is actually their teacher, not you. And then there are consequences of this beyond just leading people that love God if we assumed that were true, it seems like that would uh, make us more comfortable with unknowing. Because it wouldn't be up to us to know what to say or what book to recommend or what worship song to turn on whenever we were confronted with new territory.
0: Yeah, I find myself kind of, having a mixed reaction to those verses because they are the invitation the uh proclamation of our future and our access is kind of dazzling it's like wait what really so basically you can turn off this podcast now and walk with the Holy Spirit and you will be initiated okay that's that's true the mixed reaction part is how how like untrue it feels how how my experience or my posture is probably more accurate I, I don't live like that at all right. it is it is right. all and up to me and my relationships and God does play a role but it's not like the Holy Spirit is I don't know Siri or Alexa but that's also a relater
1: right. and why does it feel untrue
0: um because I think I just don't, I mean, maybe I just haven't experienced it enough.
1: The question I would ask is what would it look like to you to experience being taught by the Holy Spirit? I think to even
0: put it as a category for, um, something to turn to, to, to ask. Cause like, let's say there's a new, uh, like an evening to myself, um, that I'm like going to spend a couple hours. Uh, I don't, Pause, and I don't ask. I don't go like, what do you have for me? I just kind of either go on autopilot of, oh, I got a little bit of time, so I'm going to straighten up a little bit. Okay, when the kids woke up, I'm going to like pat them down, and then, you know, I'll watch some YouTube, and like that, that'll that be how I relax, because it's the autopilot. And there isn't the the pause to go, Holy oh, Spirit, what do you have for me? What, what do you, What's up? What what should I do in my evening? Um, And I think... Part of me doesn't want to ask because I don't like disruption. I don't want to hear something else. Um, and
1: part of me isn't used to asking. So Totes. The kinds of practices we're framing here are actually very simple. But let's, I want to start with the interpersonal one, where uh, whether you are leading people, or whether you are just relating with people, uh, like an extremely simple way to assume it's not up to you is learning to ask really, really dumb questions. Like
0: learning to ask the Holy Spirit really dumb questions or when the Holy Spirit prompts you
1: to ask questions? Uh, Both and neither. Both and more. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> right. That is an answer. That is not an answer. There's just, uh, <laughs> I know the 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 you ask God one. This is one that's really getting uh, like shaken up for me recently because you know. So I go, I participate with other people that carry responsibility in, especially house church expressions of church. You know, we're all getting like paradigm stuff, equipping. And one of the things is they go, just keep in mind that most of the time when righteousness is used, it's a relational term. And that a soul that is well, like a righteous soul is a relational soul. And just to go where I would normally default to ask questions of God, realizing, oh, a lot of the time that hasn't, worked for me because he actually prefers to express himself through other people and to do this thing relationally, socially, communally. So when I'm talking about asking questions, uh, we're talking about shifting from the reactivity thing into uh, really assuming you don't know what a person needs. And basically, all the time, because you know, if a person comes and <sighs> I hope we've all had this happen, and it's like, um, man, I hate running, and I go, oh, I used to hate running too, and then I learned to chant, I love hills while I run uphill, mm-hmm. and then the guy goes, no, I have asthma, and I'm like, you shouldn't chant while you run uphill, and in fact, you shouldn't run, Or <laughs> it's like, oh, you that easy? I know. But just to go shifting out of reactivity, shifting into a paradigm where you go, not only do I not know when I'm freaked out because the subject is unfamiliar, but even when I really think I know like, what the next conversational step is, it is better and more accurate to assume I don't. And mm-hmm. a way to model that is to learn to listen and respond with questions that open up space to see what's actually going on. Which is where the Holy Spirit comes in of like, Holy Spirit, you could be up to anything in this conversation, whereas however much you know, it fits inside a little circle. And if you divide numbers by infinity, you still get irrational numbers. right? So it's like, oh, well, I know a hundred things. But a hundred things out of infinity things is no different than someone who's like, I only know six things about a life with God out of infinity things. Be like, in a very real sense, there's no difference between those two. Yeah. And you do pick up on that tone and some of like
0: the sage writers, like they're just very comfortable with their lack of knowing of things. That there's, uh, there's a posture there of like, yeah, we're, I'm on a journey. And you're like, but you're so wise. Maybe you even have a person in your world that you've had a conversation like this with, but they're like, uh, no, I've just loved Jesus. Or like, I'm just pursuing this. And you're like, well, compared between the two of you, yes, they are quite wise. But that other person has learned <laughs> that they are still just a hundred out of infinity. Okay. So this feels like a posture that affects kind of a lot because it's not just, here's the posture to go in. Your new lens for interacting with the Holy Spirit to better hear—it's like a—it's uh, a posture for relationships, for he- listening to other people, for making decisions, and. why well, it gives the Holy Spirit more access across the board, or is this a, a good posture across the board?
1: It seems like both. Where it's like, how do you cultivate an environment where it's easier to see what the Holy Spirit is up to, and how do you just relate better? Psychologists will tell us that a typical person will ask two questions in a conversation. And what that looks like is, uh, let's switch here. You ask me how I am. How are you? I'm so frustrated. That's too bad. <laughs> right? Or the only other question that someone would normally ask me would be like, why? Why are you frustrated? Yeah, and I'd be like, I have so much email. Oh, I hate email. Exactly! Oh! That's what I do. That's, right? Let's try it. And we're out. I know. All right, hang on. I'm going to do it with you. Hey, uh, Sam, how are you? I'm fine. Awesome. Hey, did you look at... Here. No, I don't really like... Uh, my, my was like me starting to like just turn into... Fine. Cool. Um, or because it's me, I might go like... Check this out. Let's rewind. Have this again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, man, how are you? I'm fine. Fine.
0: Yeah. I'm fine, Blaine.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, do you need some coffee? Right. Where? Yes. Okay. So,
0: <laughs> our regular interaction. If I respond like that, yes, I do. I do remember we had a conversation with a guy who, a family friend, who was blown away by the fact that you would ask a tertiary question. Or that Luke would ask, or that I would ask. He was just with our family, and he was like, you guys will ask more than two questions about a story. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. We're like, well, uh, okay. It's easier to do if you're trapped yeah. in a house together for a while. But I'll still just
1: ask three and then
0: right. riff. But the Midwesterners are very good at this. So this two-question thing doesn't really apply, basically, in the Midwest.
1: Well, right. Well, the other thing you can say is, um, do your questions converge on your agenda or reflect what you understand? Or do your questions reflect that you believe you actually don't know what's going on? Check this out. Uh, here's a subject that I know something about. Cycling. Hey, Sam, how was your bike ride? Oh, it was, it was hard, but it was
0: beautiful. Like, summer's here, and there's just the smell of Russian olives, and flowers are blooming. And I've, I've been actually practicing... Just saying, I am so lucky I get to do this on my last couple of rides. And my butt hurts, man. I need I need more time in the saddle to make that iron. But it was really enjoyable despite that.
1: Wow, nice. Were you on 30th? Yeah,
0: I was on 30th and I was down on the Santa Fe Trail.
1: Oh, nice. Were you on the sandy part?
0: Uh, no, I didn't get to the sandy part. Were you crashed? No, I didn't get there. There was sand in other parts, but not. I didn't get that far.
1: Oh, I love that route. Have Have you ever... No, 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 now no. Now you're talking about yourself. All oh, right, you see that start to happen. Yeah. you just see it's like just kind of converging on... Oh, sweet. The last time I did that ride... Bu- 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 right, where you just sort of... This is the mirroring thing, swapping shared territory. So back up with me again. What does it mean to go... You don't have to be an expert. In fact, it's best to assume that you aren't. Because it's so easy to miss the mark. Uh, and like the training we just did, it was described as taking the bait, being like, don't take the bait. The first thing a person says is never where the issue is. The second thing they say is never where the issue is. Mm-hmm. And I think that many of us feel ill equipped to ask questions. But that for me is because I import the expert paradigm into asking questions and go, Oh, so I don't need to be an expert about mother-daughter relationships. I just need to be an expert about asking good questions and go, no, 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 no. I just need to really believe that I don't know that the Holy Spirit is moving, and that even asking a bad question will create an environment that will show where the issue is. All right and so a bad question I'll ask you some uh, looks like. Hey man, how's your weekend? That's not. A, that's just an opening question. Okay, that's not the bad question. Yeah,
0: um, I was f- kind of busy.
1: Oh, nice. What does busy look like for you? You know, just grabbed one of the words you said and asked about it. What's busy look like for you? Okay, uh, it's just life, man. These days are all busy. Wow. Right. So now I'm like, ugh, I'm being so shut down. What be like? Uh, no one and go. I could ask, what did you do? Yeah. That would be one. Kind of open up. Sure. Uh, and then, or I could kind of go, what else would be a bad question? What do you mean that's just life? You mean right? like you're just poking at me. Uh, right? Well, there's a way of going that's like, dick it, or there's a way that's kind of going, let me, let me unpack a little bit. Take what you're asking and like, uh, bad questions include if a person gives you like an emotion. <laughs> like a bad question is. Um, what made you sad? You know, get home, your wife's like, like, hon, how are you? Been like, it was a hard day. And go, I could ask like, what made it hard? Mm-hmm. That would be one version of like feeling it's a bad question. Or I could be like, why is that a bad question?
0: I feel like nine people <laughs> out of 10 would ask that question.
1: Well. What I mean, I guess, what I mean by bad is, um, it's not some incredible sophisticated question. I'm using bad in quotes here to go, like inexpert, to go like being motivated by not knowing and wanting to know what's going on. You can ask questions that seem to you dumb, or obvious, or so, like, a,
0: did you swap in bad for dumb?
1: Yes, or yes, I did.
0: Okay, because that was bad for us. (laughs) Okay. That would be, oh, you were saying a dumb question is that sounds obvious, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it actually is going to draw other things out. So it is actually a good question to be asking in this context because don't be afraid of dumb questions. Exactly. Wow.
1: <laughs> you just can't see, see why my. I was skin. You can't see my square. You can't see my scarecrows here, but
0: you get to the. No, I couldn't see them, and I'm sitting next to you. Okay, that's a bad question. I'm like, why is that a bad question? <laughs> oh, you mean it's a fine? Oh, that's good. That's no, a good not question.
1: Like moral uprightness.
0: Ah, uh, like... that's not like a crappy question. Like, you suck at asking questions. Bad. It's like a. Don't be. It's. It's a. Don't worry about looking like an idiot. Question.
1: Right, and kind of learning to ask better, or not even better, and learning to ask more, I think the first thing as we're just doing is go, don't be afraid by your inability to come up with a great question. Great questions can actually be problematic because they think through so much of the issue for the person. Right. 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 Yeah,
0: it's the kind of question that you're going to get one word answer out of because you can describe a whole scenario. Oh, do you feel like this? Because it makes you it's called leading the witness. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm struck by the some of the similarities between this posture and a little bit of what Dan Allender offered in the How to Respond to Trauma podcast. I've just, It's like cultivating an ability to be willing to sit in a space. And he really loved the time that he went hunting with dad and he only had was the hoochie mama call and dan knew he was so unfamiliar with that territory he could only look at the next step in front of him just to try and not make noise because he was going to ruin the hunting and so he was like this is a phenomenal metaphor this is what this is like when you're doing it well you are totally aware that you don't know what you're doing and you are just looking for the next step in front of you and you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable right and that it's not
1: up to you that's what makes you comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Is it really, it is really not up to you. Here are some basic skills. Ready? Ones that have recently been imparted to me. that are kind of helping go, oh, that's a way to develop question asking skills. One of them is, <laughs> what they call, uh, we'll do these in order of ease. No double-barreled questions. This is kind of interesting conversationally. I don't know if you do this thing, but I do this thing where I'm like, Hey, how was your visit? Uh, Like, did it go well with your mom? I mean, did she do that thing you were afraid of? And right, what I've done is like used the first question to process in my own mind and remember what I wanted to ask about Mm. and just go. uh, Like a conversation is really centered on the other person in most and especially if you're having a conversation that's working through like a place of need or learning or whatever, like it's just better to have the other person do the thinking, which means just cut yourself off after the first one because you can ask the second one when when they're done responding. Right. I, I, that's the most- No
0: double-barreled questions. Applicable. Save that second round for later, but don't just obsess about that you're going to ask it actually listen to what they're saying.
1: Yeah. Here's an easy one. Learn to turn questions that can be answered yes, no, into questions that are answered by talking about the topic, right? So um, someone's moving. Are you packed? Yes, Vers-
0: or no, or maybe. Yeah.
1: Versus, okay. What How's, are we packing going? How's packing going? Someone's telling you, like, you're going to buy a car. Oh, are you going to take out a loan? You know,
0: I'm struck here by the fact that it is a little bit like ninjutsu. And that it, the person that you are asking the questions may actually be a really good conversationalist and be okay with taking a yes-no answer and then turning it into not. Or you may give someone a phenomenal question. And they may give you a two-word answer, and that's not necessarily your fault, that's just part of
1: the fun of looking like an idiot. <laughs> right. But come on, just, just change some more for me. Change some more into open ones. What? Yeah, I'm going to ask you ones that can be answered yes, no, you turn them into ones that can't be. There's somebody
0: that's listening that's going to be helpful for.
1: It is going to be helpful. Ready? All right. Okay. Um, are you going to buy a truck? Oh man, you can buy a truck. Um, what new cars are you looking at? Whew, man, that was good. Um, uh, can we pray now? Uh, you know
0: what? I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> right, they get tricky. Where they get the? Uh, I would like mm, ask. What would you like to ask God for? How are you inviting God in? What are you ready to see God do? Mm. You know, you said that some people are great conversationalists. You know, most people, and like most exchanges, you don't need to come in with your question asking, you know, black belt. You've been practicing turning questions into open questions, Uh, closed ones, yes, no, open, topical. Uh, But to go any discipline, you practice the basics when it's basic because sometimes it's going to be super advanced. And go. Sometimes a guy at a fly shop is going to be going. What rod should I get? And you, you know, are going to have to go. What, what kind are you going to of- do with it? Yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> what do you, you want to go fish? I uh, rivers. What kind of rivers? How big? And how small? Right. <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking of going to the Mississippi River. Um. Okay. What, right? Like, you just, that would take a lot, but then eventually. I recommend a great bait shop in town. Eventually, a friend of yours is going to go, I just don't know that God is real. Right. Well, why not? Um, I you're a, you don't have been, to answer that. No, no I'm just being the friend. I'm going, to like, I know well, you things are. have been, you know, hard for so long. <laughs> and you would, right? This is where I would go, yeah, isn't that difficult? No, no. On no, to no. the next thing. Right. And and to go, <sighs> yeah. Could you talk about what's been hard? And here's the shift: is in that
0: moment, there's genuinely like a pause in time that happens for me, which is kind of cool. I didn't know I had a superpower, but it turns out it's just little micro pauses. Really unhelpful for robbing banks, which <laughs> is what is, I wanted to use my a... superpower for. But there's this moment where it's like, Holy Spirit, are you diving into this with me? Or am I jumping off this alone? Because if I'm jumping off this alone, I can feel my anxiety rising. I can feel the pressure to do it well. Afterwards, I'm just like running through the conversation in my head, like, okay, what could I have done better? Um, Do they think I'm a fairly intelligent, uh, I don't know, God-filled person? Or do they think they're like, wow, this guy, that was terrible. All those things happen. But if I go into it with the Holy Spirit and release the person, Afterwards, like it can be like, wow, that was wild. Thanks for having me practice that. Ah, oh, man, I hope you prompt me to be praying for them. Like, is it? Oh my gosh, it's insane. Wow, that sounds that is a superpower. Right? Well, the whole thing is the scenario. The superpower is the that moment, that fear. That am I going into this alone? And right. fill into this. There's, we've been on conversations for a little while because this is like a massively relational posture aspect. We can only give you so
1: many examples of the way it plays out at the auto body shop. Right. Well, and here's, right, auto body shop. Are we talking about, hey, from now on when you relate with people, be ready to dive as deeply as possible, faster the better. No.
0: <laughs> no. Gosh, no. Oh my gosh. Please don't do that. <laughs> Definitely do not do that. Oh. Wow. That would be so bad.
1: Okay. Well, what should they do instead? yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <sighs> um, yeah, I think you need to be cultivating listening to the Holy Spirit because there's going to be a sense, a pull, a tug. All of a sudden you realize you don't have to get somewhere as fast as you think you needed to and the next 10 minutes feel very open and you're like, whoa, what just happened? I think I need to like stay in this conversation or chat with my neighbor and ask him this other question, whatever. like that. There, there will be a prompting. Similarly, there will be almost like this alarm of like, I'm, I gotta keep going. I gotta, I gotta like let this person go. I do not think I'm meant to carry them anymore. Um, and those are like the, the times when the, the sonar is working. I would say that a lot of the time I'm just on autopilot and I'm probably missing things that I'm supposed to stop and engage and also accidentally avoiding things I was meant to avoid. But that's not because I was listening. It's just because I'm blasting along in my day. And you're not going to hear those things, those yes or no, avoid, go, keep keep asking, or <laughs> get out now um, type questions. I don't even know if you're going to hear a get out now. I know that you are meant to walk wisely. And so that means listening to the Holy Spirit. And you can't listen to the Holy Spirit if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you guys. All right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a couple of you that I recently talked to in particular.
1: God, I hope it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: I just, I just know it's me. No, no, um,
1: no. Right? That's just huge. There are people who will suck you in and, two, go deep with me. There are people who will push you off and go, like, no, no, no. Walk with God. And also, that developing question-asking skills goes is a part of developing relational skills, which means... Identifying the kind of environment that you're in and respecting the level of depth that's appropriate to that. And sometimes God will tell you to dive a little deeper than you expect, but, you know, being like, people love a good question asker and it's easy to. So it's so a caveat here of, hey, don't just do, this is, question asking is a way of opening people's hearts. Don't just run around opening people's hearts. And, right,
0: right. And be aware of the, you're wounding as well like if you feel the motivator to go save everyone then you shouldn't keep going into these deep conversations because you're going to get triggered to save them and Jesus saves them you don't save them you can partner with Jesus in saving them if he's up to that with you maybe he's not using you so like (laughs) right get just
1: yeah there's a little bit of nuance I'm afraid uh right uh, the one other one, one other one that's helpful because we're really talking, you know, we're developing skills that are really helpful when you get into the moment where a friend calls you and it's like, there's no, I really need help with a blank thing. This just blew up. And you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. And it's all up to me. They can't call anyone else. But going like paradigm, they don't even need me at all. Like God is their rescuer. The Holy Spirit is their teacher. If you think it's like remotely up to you, it's not big relief. And if Jesus is inviting you to like be a helper, that's like something you do because you love Jesus. You are like, oh, of course I. Um, but this one has been really helpful is what what are called angle questions, which is just there are different dimensions to every situation: personality, family, culture, work, spiritual life childhood right there's all these things and uh the sort of question how is blank affecting this hugely helpful in exploring a territory with someone is you're cutting off the double barrel you're asking questions that open space rather than converge on a yes no and getting multiple angles in and so someone's like i just don't know how to experience god as father it seems pretty clear to ask, how does your experience with your dad affect this? But maybe not as clear, though it might be as helpful as, how does your work life affect this? Right? And then, you know, I would, someone's like, I have a hard time experiencing God as Father. And I think this is an issue with your dad or with your church leaders or something. But we explore a little bit and I ask, how does your work life affect this? And it's, um, Every day I get a task and it's completely up to me. I don't have a team. I'm so run down. And you go, oh my gosh, this is like, how do you experience God in your work life where it really feels up to you? Not like, what does it look like to forgive your dad for his shortcomings? And that only became clear. The Holy Spirit only pointed that out because you were like, how does your work life affect this? How's your recent move affect this? How's your marriage play into this? Right. Just think of any topic, and you can kind of ask from that angle to show you more of the territory, and then the Holy Spirit can like raise the little flag and go, over here, this is where the problem is. Talk about this right now.
0: It's really good. This counseling training costs $200, so if you'd like to mail your checks, please do so. I mean, genuinely, if if you practice a few of these things, you will be better equipped at conversation
1: and following the Holy Spirit than what most people practice. I am finding myself less freaked out. You know how this works. if you learn something and then Jesus tees up the opportunity to apply it? Or things happen thematically and so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting this training. How do you engage the unknown believing I don't know the answer and that it's not up to me? And then all of a sudden it feels like all the key relationships in my world have some deep area of change that I, are, or, or are entering a season or I have no idea what they should do. And it's like, oh, I think a lot of time I'd be like, okay, pray, think, oh, avoid the conversation, feel helpless, versus going like, this is all training and just going in and being a participant in someone who makes an environment where God can show the person, he can teach them what he's up to.